God is good all the time. Happy Tuesday to you. It is the last Tuesday of June. So good to see each and every one of you. If you're joining us online, welcome to you as well. We are blessed to have you with us wherever you and whatever day you are watching this Bible study at. My name is Michael Beneshek. I'm a, one of the warm heart pastors here and just, just, a, just a word of welcome. Uh, know most of you. Uh, a lot of you have been here a lot uh, for many, many weeks, uh, many, many years, and it's, uh, it's uh, one, of the, one of the longest traditions that we have here at the Church of the Warm Heart is this Bible study. Well, let's be a people of prayer. God above, we, we give thanks for this beautiful day that we have outside and for the friends and family that we have inside here today. We ask that whatever we read today, whatever we hear, whatever we, whatever we speak, they, they can turn into to a little bit of love and a little bit of grace that touches our hearts so that we can transform lives, so that we can transform our families. So as, as we read that you prepare a place for us, that you also prepare us for that place. It's in your son's name that we have this hope in these words today. Amen. We are on John chapter 15. Um, we are in the middle of Jesus' long discourse. This is right after the Lord's Supper, the Lord's um, the, the, the last the Last Supper, the Eucharist, if you will. And they are on their way. They, actually, they're not exactly sure. Uh, I always pictured them as as they're on their way from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is arrested. And this discourse is just kind of like along, along the journey. We ended last chapter, if I remember right, yeah, chapter 14. Come now, says Jesus, let us leave. And then it goes right into more words. And so maybe he's part of my family that just can't, can't stop talking. You know, they're always on the road. Uh, the, word, the words just keep coming. He's going to teach as long as he can here. And so this is kind of on the journey if you will. Uh, in a couple chapters, it says that they do cross the valley and they enter the garden. So this, my guess is the next two chapters are all traveling, uh, uh, traveling words, uh, uh, the discourse on the road, if you will. Uh, so let's start. Uh, let's break this one up. Jacob, it threw me off. I actually turned the page to see what the, was on the others. We only have a one-pager this time. It's a short, shorter chapter than what we've had in, in uh, recent weeks. So let's do verses 1 through 8. 1 through 8, two paragraphs there. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I am the true vine. Again, we get the I am language. If you remember, Jesus has about seven I am's in in John, and he's utilizing the the words that that God gave to Moses back in Exodus uh, 1,400 years before. Uh, I am that I am. Uh, So we have I am the shepherd. I am the all the way through. Uh, We have seven of these. I am the true vine, a familiar symbol. God repeatedly used a vine as a symbol of his people in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, Sometimes it was in a negative sense. But um, just like last week, Jesus publicly taught about Israel being like a vineyard in the parable of, of, of the vineyard. Jesus spoke this to his disciples probably as they're on their way. Uh, to to the garden, and if if so, on Sunday mornings, everything I do is prepared ahead of time. I write the sermon ahead of time. I, I sometimes I write the prayer ahead of time, and it's 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 scribbled in notes things I want to highlight in the prayer. Everything is done ahead of time except for the children's time. That part freaks me out still. I'm good with kids, but that morning I think, oh yeah, I have a children's time. And I start looking around for object lessons or what could I possibly tell the kids. And I think of this as Jesus is walking around, like what else can I tell you? And he's walking around, he's walking through, guess guess where he's walking? He's walking through vineyards. Vineyards. I have an object lesson. I am the true vine. And they're looking around like, look at all these vines. And so I, I really think Jesus is, is, is looking around and saying, uh, how else can I explain all of this to you? Uh, he used the picture of the vine. Uh, matter of fact, in, in front of the temple, in fr- at, the, at the top of the temple, you have the, you have the temple, uh, and there, there's some artwork around the temple. Uh, but at the top, right in the middle, is a picture of a vine. Ancient Israel thought of themselves as the vine of, of God's, well, God's children. Uh, and they had 12 different branches, one for each tribe of Israel. So he's really utilizing imagery that they have front and center all the time. Uh, the vine was also a recognized symbol of the Messiah in some places. So here we have Jesus saying, I am, does he just, does he just say, I am the vine? What, what, what kind of vine? I am the, the true vine. And that would smack right into the religious authorities of the day. For Jesus to say, I, I am the true vine. Don't follow the Pharisees or the Sadducees. Abide in me, abide in my love. In the new covenant, our first identification is in Jesus Christ himself. Not in Israel. Not even the church that we go to, if you want to carry it on to, to today. Um, am, I, am I first a Christian and then a Methodist, or am I a Methodist and then a Christian? What's, what's my first allegiance to? Jesus Christ. Churches can go this way and that way and everywhere, but Jesus Christ is my first uh, uh, allegiance. 
Um, nations can go this way, that way, this way, that way. My first allegiance, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he is the true vine. Um, one of the many pictures of the relationship between God and his people, the vine and the, and the branch, um, emphasizes complete dependence and the need for constant connection. Uh, the Father is the, is the vine dresser in the Old Testament. The use of the vine as a picture of Israel, God the Father, was also presented as one who cultivated and managed the vine. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Branches that are taken away are, probably, are, are never properly abiding in the vine. They don't bear fruit. Uh, there's, there's, an, uh, there's an alternative understanding to this passage that I haven't really looked into, but I've, I read it in uh, this, this past week, uh, because it, sound, it sounds harsh, doesn't it? Uh, if, if the branch doesn't produce fruit, where, where does it go? In, in, yeah, they cut it off and they throw it in the fire. And all of a sudden you think, wait a minute, he's, he's talking about us. Uh, do we get thrown in the fire? Uh, an, another, another way of looking at the at, at, at the Greek here, is that the Father lifts up the unproductive vines off the ground. Um, a lot of times the unproductive vines would just flop on the ground and they would just kind of wither and just hang there. But if you lift them up and you reattach them, then they can go and bear fruit even more. So that's, that's kind of the positive spin on this, that the Father lifts them up and hopefully does, they don't have to go into the fire, but there's redemption for us all. There's always a second chance. Everyone deserves a second chance. Uh, but fruit that, every branch that, that bears fruit, he prunes. Prunesing or cleansing in the ancient Greek. Uh, we all need cleansing from time to time. Uh, the Word of God is a cleansing agent. It condemns sin. It inspires holiness. It uh, promotes growth. Reveals power for victory. Uh, Jesus continues to watch. Ephesians chapter five something says something about Jesus continues to watch his people uh, through through the word. Yeah. I am the vine; you are the branches. It's 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 a pretty simple metaphor. Uh, he probably spoke it because they were so accustomed to thinking that Israel was the vine, and now they had to think of Jesus as the vine and emphasize their connection to him. It is really hard. I can't imagine what was going through the disciples' minds because their entire identity was wrapped up in being one of the children of God through Abraham. And Jesus says, come, follow me. And they have to, now, now they're understanding that they have to give up a little piece of their identity. Between 30 and 70 AD, it was possible to be a Christian and Jewish at the same time. You would go to, you would celebrate your Sabbath, Friday night to Saturday night, and then on Sunday you would get together because it was the first day of the week, the day that Jesus was resurrected, and you, you would celebrate, you would celebrate the resurrection. Every Sunday was a uh, mini Easter, if you will, and that's why we still have church on Sundays. It's a mini Easter, but in 70 AD when the Romans came and they wiped away Jerusalem because of a revolt, that was the end of it. You were Jewish or you were Christian. There's, there's, there's no real in-between. And so uh, the Gentiles who all came uh, into the Christian fold and the Jewish folk who stuck it out 
um, they gave up their Sabbath, uh, their traditional Sabbath, and they started worshiping on on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, let's do verses 9 through 17. 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Abide. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. As the Father loved me, I have loved you. Jesus deliberately loved his disciples according to the way that the God the Father loved him. And we know that Jesus loved his disciples by teaching them, protecting them, guiding them, sacrificially uh, serving them, and using his power and authority to do this, these things. This is, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Uh, this this surely is is is, is Christ's word concerning his love for his own. Um, this is the greatest command. Love one another. My joy will be complete if you if you follow my love. And uh, in here it talks about Christ's commandments. What did Christ command his uh, disciples to do? That's it. Love one another. He didn't, he didn't give them a list of laws. He didn't give them a list of rules. He didn't give them a list of, of this, this is what you need to do. He gave them one rule. Love each other. As simple as that. Okay, he did say a couple other things that we had to do. And uh, uh, let's see. what. Uh, go, later on he'll say, go ye therefore... Does that sound familiar? Go ye therefore and... Go. That, that was God. That was God who said multiply. <laughs> yeah, the very first thing that God tells human beings... Uh, I'm, I'm talking to my kids, my teenage kids here who are asking me about kissy-kissy stuff. And like, I, I said, just wait. Just, 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 just cool your jets. Uh, like, just, just wait. <laughs> And he's like, Dad, the first thing that God told human beings, the very first thing, he said, go forth and multiply. Like, time out, time out. Time out. He, told, he told Adam to do that, not you. So, so just chill. The very first thing that God said, go forth and multiply. Uh, but the, uh, go ye therefore into all the world and not spread the gospel, but there's one, one specific action. Preach, 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 preach could be in there. Let's just say it involves water. Go ye therefore and baptize. 
in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. And uh, one more thing that he specifically told, one action besides like the general love thing that he told us to do was at, at, the, at the last meal, at the last supper. And he broke the bread and he said, take and eat all of you. This is my body shed for you. Do this. Remember. So there's two actions that he's, two specific like physical actions to do. Go baptize and eat. I, I could do that. I could eat, but eat you know, specifically the Lord's Supper. And so for us, that's why we have these as sacraments. We have two sacraments, uh, baptism and communion. Not that something magical happens in these, but this is one way that the Lord has told us to, to show God's love and to, re, and to re, uh, remind ourselves that we're a part of a community and for the forgiveness of sins and all that. Uh, but two specific things that he told us to do besides the generic love each other. Uh, the Catholic Church, I think they have seven, is that right? Seven sacraments, um, including, including baptism, including uh, communion. But they have last rites, and they have the marriage one, and and a few and uh, and a few others. Uh, but uh, when people ask how many how many sacraments do you have, we have two, two things that Jesus specifically told us to do: baptize and communion. Yeah. When Jesus spoke of joy, nobody ever asked him what he meant. A lot of times, when Jesus would say something, Philip or Peter would raise their hand and say, "What do you mean? We don't we don't follow." Uh, but in this case, they did not look at each other in perplexity. It seemed to them that entirely natural that the master should make reference to his gladness, that they were familiar with the joy. They were familiar with that warm heart. And that's, that's something they wanted to keep uh, as, as Christianity began to evolve into what it was. Uh, God made human beings to be happy. I love it how it says in Ecclesiastes, uh, the, the uh, Solomon uh, or the writer is trying to figure out what makes life worth living. And vanity of vanities, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Every, there's nothing new under the sun. It's not riches. It's not fame. It's not, it's not significant others. It's, uh, that, that, that doesn't bring true joy. But being at one with God. And all these other things are 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 uh, are, are bonus bonus joys. Um, but to be happy, to find meaning in your work, uh, to eat and drink and be merry. I, I, that that that's the scripture I need on my wall. To eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, that's what's the point of living? Living, enjoy it. I think we had a. Do we have a hand? You were stretching. All right. At an auction, you would have bought something by now. <laughs> Anyone ever go to an auction and buy, like, bid on something on mistake? Just me? All right. There was a combine that I almost... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> uh, greater love has, has, has no one than this, that one does what? Lay down their life. I've, I've, I've only, I think I preached on this like 20 years ago. Um, and somewhere along the line, it was, if, if, if someone is worth dying for, then they're worth living for. Live your life in such a way that we serve and care about those around us.
uh, we, were, we were trying to do something a while back, like, how do you prove that you love someone? So I'll, I'll ask this church. It was, it was another church we were doing. How do you prove that you love someone? Um, at, the, at, at, at the previous church I had, a couple of the answers were stuff like, um, they know your phone's password. <laughs> that's, that's how you know that you got to a point of, like, love instead of like, if you will. How do, you, how do you show that you love each other? Be there? Yeah. By the way you treat? Value their life? Value their time? Long time ago, I had someone do this. Uh, do you know how to spell? Do you know how you spell love? T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love. One, once upon a time, I, I, Dad, I had a little kid, Dad, you must love me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love you. Because you don't skip to the end of the, like, we're at, we're at bedtime reading stories. You don't skip to the end real fast just to get, get this over with. Like, yeah, that's right. I'll read you the whole book. <laughs> you know, my, my, my goal for the kids, and maybe uh, some of you can relate, was I, I didn't want to miss a single age. I didn't want to miss a single stage of development. Um, but man, when they were out of diapers and car seats, it was a good day. It was a good day. Yeah, now we're in the now we're in the car insurance stage. That's where we're at right now. Yeah. Uh, this this past weekend, Steph and I got to go out of town for two nights. After church on Sunday, we uh, Steph and I went to McCall. Our kids are on the mission trip. Uh, we pray for safe travels for them as, as uh, Nicole and Cassie and all the uh, other adults uh, deal with a dozen or so kids. Uh, but yeah, we went up to McCall and we just looked at each other. Like, we, all right, in about four years, we're, uh, the kids will be out of school. We've got to figure this out. We gotta, uh, who are you? And Yeah. Well, you ever do that? Like, all right, we're going to have dinner and tell you what, we're not going to talk about the kids at all. Oh, great. Let's not talk about the kids. So how's your mom? I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down one's life, and Jesus is about to pull that off. Um, <laughs> he's about to show them what that means. Uh, a servant, no longer call you a servant. Servant does not know his master's business. The servant just says, yes, sir. Uh, but a friend, a friend can be confided in. A friend knows what's going on. All right, let's jump through the next big paragraph, 18 to 25. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as, it, as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you? A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. 
if I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have sinned, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. And again, thank you, for, uh, Keith. And again, anytime you see the word world in the Gospel of John or in the, in the uh, John books, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, anytime you see the, world, the word world, it means everything that is antagonistic toward God. Um, earth and all its people, it's, it's, it, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and, da, 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 and uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Uh, so in John's world, you had uh, the people who are on Jesus' side, and then everybody else, and that's the world. So when you see the word world, it's the antagonistic folk. Um, hey, if the world hates you, they hated me first. And congratulations, that comes with being part of a person of faith. Those that are against um, <laughs> uh, the things of faith, you will find antagonism come your way. Especially in this world of internet, you will find that out. Uh, every now and then as pastor, I get interesting emails or interesting mail that... Uh, how stupid you are uh, to believe all this stuff. I was I was doing a counseling session for a uh, for a cousin, a younger cousin who was who was uh, totally antagonistic to the faith. Uh, just thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. But he was having problems in school and problems with drug use and problems with this and problems with that. And so the family called said, "Hey, hey, let's call your pastor cousin in." Yeah, great. All right, let's do that. So I uh, chatted with him for a while, and uh, somewhere in there, you guys, like, you, Pat, cousin, you are so stupid for believing all this. It's like, that might be, but I'm not the one that's messed up here, am I? <laughs> uh, they will treat you this way because of my name, and for the next couple hundred years, uh, they will find antagonistic uh, behavior from the state, from the Jewish authorities. Um, it was in Antioch when they started, started to, to first be called Christians. And the Roman Empire didn't know what to do with them. These are people who loved each other. These are people who did not go to war against each other. These are people who would not strike back. These are people who, if, if, you, if you smacked them across the cheek, what did they do? They turned the other cheek. And how many times can you do that? Four, if you count creatively. But you really, it's... These, these people are known by their love, and ancient writers would say, see how they love each other. And because they spoke of, uh, because they were different, uh, they were treated uh, as, as different. Um, some, some negative, they, got, they did get some negative press. Some people said that they were um, cannibalistic. Cannibals, what do, what do cannibals do? Cannibals... Eat each other. Don't we do that every first Sunday of the month? This is my body shed for you. Do this and remember. This is my blood. Take a drink. Uh, and, and you kind of got to go there. All right, metaphorically speaking, um, 
we're, partake, we're, we're, we're partaking in Christ. Someone once told me every religion looks screwy from the outside. Every, every religion looks screwy from the outside. Uh, if, if I were to go someone to, to someone who is not a Christian and never heard of Christianity and said, I want to baptize you. They're like, what's that? It's like, well, we're going to get you wet, and God's going to love you more. <laughs> I don't say it like that, but that's what they would feel. Uh, like, well, that's kind of weird. It's something that we do. Um, same with communion, same with a lot of things of faith, uh, but hopefully love, love is the key. Uh, but the early Christians, they needed these words, and John needed these words. Uh, he shared these words. He shared them after. Uh, so, how, all right, so how many disciples were there? Twelve original ones, right? Twelve original ones. Judas, he went off. Matthias took over uh, for Judas. Do you know what happened to uh, the 11, other 11 disciples? They're all martyred, every single one. They went, to, they went to India. They went to England. They went to uh, uh, Africa. They went to uh, 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 different parts of Europe. They went all over the place, and each and every one of them, uh, even in Catholic, uh, according to Catholic tradition, some some of these we don't have a hundred percent like scientific fact on. But they all they all met a bad end, except for John. John made John, they they tried to kill John, uh, and he kept on not dying, which they thought was a mini, mini miracle. In and of himself, John is riding on an island in, of, of Patmos, uh, outside of uh, Syria, um, Crete. I'm sorry, Crete, the island of Crete, uh, across the sea from Syria. Uh, so he he's writing his gospel, and he's writing knowing what happened to most of them. I don't know if the word got back to him yet on on the others, uh, but he knows that it was not it was not a good uh, good ending for these folk. But it was a faithful ending. It's really sad to go into a foreign language and said, God loves you, and you get hated for it. Or you get arrows, or a javelin, or you get crucified upside down. Thank you, Peter. Um, and, and a few others. Uh, I remember a kid asked me a long time ago, Pastor Mike, how do you know what you say is true? And like, I, I, I don't know 100% because it's faith, right? You're going faith. But what I, one piece of evidence that I, that I just hang my hat on time and time and time again are these disciples who walked with Jesus, who lived with Jesus, who learned from Jesus. And after his death, they wanted to go home. But then the resurrection happened and Jesus came back. And what did these disciples do? They went into the whole world, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you didn't believe this, you would not be doing this. If I was James, uh, the first one martyred who got the sword first, uh, <laughs> deny Jesus. If, if, you did, if you didn't really believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and you didn't really believe that you saw him, and you didn't really believe in the, the, all these miracles, you would have bailed. I would have bailed. And to, to a man, all 11 of them live for, live for Jesus. Every single one. 
There's not one who, who said, you know what? We, we made it all up. No one said that. From 12 people in an obscure part of the world, in the hill country that nobody cared about, all of a sudden, one-third, all of a sudden, 2,000 years later, one-third of the entire population believes in the love of Christ. That's what we follow. For the longest time, my, uh, my internet password uh, was PHIL413. PHIL413. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a good one. And then internet passwords had to get stronger, so I had to change it. But, uh, the, but some, of my old, some of my old accounts, I can still go into PHIL413. Uh, that's just, that was just my daily reminder of, of, of what I stand on. I could do all things. I can endure all things uh, through Christ, who gives me strength. Yeah. Uh, there's one weird part in here that said, where was it? If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus came, and so they know what love is, and so they have, they, they have a chance to respond to, to, to Christ. Um, but they did not. Uh, it'd be kind of like if... Uh, did, you ever, did your kids ever say... Did your kids ever get in trouble for something that they did, but you didn't specifically tell them they couldn't do that? I'm trying to think of a good example here. But, Dad, you didn't tell us we couldn't glue the cat to the floor. I'm not making that one up. You never told us that we couldn't glue the cat to the floor. All right, don't glue the cat to the floor. And if they glue the cat to the floor, then they could really be in trouble, right? Because I specifically said... And that's kind of what this line is going after in case it was convoluted uh, uh, to you. Um, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse because here I am. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's do the last two verses here. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Again, we get into more uh, some more Trinitarian convolution in here. Uh, uh, the Spirit, God the Father, Jesus the Son, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Uh, how do they relate? Uh, who sent the Spirit uh, well, God the Father sends the Spirit, but this says, uh, when the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. So Jesus is somehow connected in this. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is coming, and, uh, and that will give you strength and power for the journey ahead when I'm not here. The Spirit will remind you of everything uh, that I have taught you, and you will do amazing works um, in my name. They are not left alone. This is the first time I've heard the Comforter referred to as an advocate. 
Now, I know what the term advocate means. But, you know, of course, the King James calls in this passage comforter. Comforter. Is, could you comment on... So this is not what you're saying, I know, but would you happen to know why they would choose advocate, the scholars who certainly would know what comforter means? Uh, it may not be answerable. Huh? Yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'd be making it up on the spot just from... Uh, and and I, the NIV and a few other uh, versions of the Bible use the word advocate, but it, I think it uses the word comfort, comfort in other places, and Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost. Uh, well, I guess King James is ghost. Um, advocate. Uh, what what does the word advocate mean? Someone to someone to speak up. Um, the say again defender yeah or one who helps you remember uh as well the advocate my mom has surgery she has someone else in the room afterwards to help to the doctor she uh, that person is the advocate to help to help my mom remember everything that the doctor said <laughs> and i got a feeling in this case the advocate is someone who reminds the disciples who jesus christ was. Um, that's, that's just how I read it. Other, other uh, smarter people probably have better answers. <laughs> Question. Oh, look it up. Uh, so the Greek word was parakletos, uh, which means called, the, the, the translation is one that is called to one's aid. One that is called to one's aid. I just looked up the Greek lexicon. So comforter would fit in there as well. Oh, that's great. Well, I, I appreciate you looking up because it's really bad for the pastor here to look. Hold on, Google. What does it mean? <laughs> Uh, so, favorite internet places for Bible, Bible Hub, uh, Bible Gateway is, is another common one, BibleGateway.com. I, I was talking to a doctor about a year ago, and he goes, uh, it, friend, uh, so, uh, so, so somebody can find it, he goes, it's amazing, like, uh, how often I have to go back into my office and look up WebMD for something that, that came up. Like, oh, that's scary if your own doctor's looking up WebMD in between. What is that? Ooh, what is this thing? Yeah. I don't know. If you look at WebMD, it, it's, if you look at it long enough, you're going to die. Somehow, what you have is going to be lethal. So there are many names for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and there are many names for Jesus Christ as well, the Prince of Peace, and you can go on and on, and there list them all over. So I, I didn't mean to be um, picky, I guess. Um, but I do find some things different between the two uh, that sometimes startles me. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank you. A translation from a translation from a translation. 
Yeah. The nice thing is we have some uh, earlier works in the you know well, when they were, when they were, when they wrote the King James. A it was novel because it was the first time the Bible was going to be in English. And the priests when when they do uh, their worship uh, for the Catholic Church, guess what language they spoke in? Latin. And they spoke Latin up until 1960 whenever the Second Vatican was. Uh, I, my grandma, uh, who's 90-whatever she is, 90-something, uh, I still wish they spoke Latin. Uh, that's just what she grew up with, and there you go. Uh, yep. uh, when the King James, uh, when they, when they uh, were, were uh, doing all their work to make it into English, uh, they were going off old manuscripts, and believe it or not, we have found, we, someone, have found older manuscripts uh, for much of the Bible than what King James even had. And there are some little ling linguistic differences uh, along the way. So uh, it is the Word of God spoken through, through us. Um, and we do our best. All right, who's going to be here next week? You are teaching it then. Uh, it's 4th four, fourth, fourth, fourth of July. We, we, we won't be here. Uh, if, you, if you want to be here, great. Find, find keys. Let yourself in. Um, as for me, me, me and my house will be uh, doing 4th of July. Um, after that, I'll be gone uh, on vacation a week after that. Uh, Steph and I and the kids are off to Washington, D.C. and New York City for a few days. We have a goal of 50 by 50, 50 states by the time we're 50 years of age, and I have six weeks to make it to New Jersey. So that's, that's along the way, and Stephanie will hit West Virginia, so she'll hit her 50th state. Uh, but Pastor Jen will lead Bible study uh, for us. I appreciate you doing that. And uh, that's great. I look forward to seeing you all on Sunday. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.